that in all things he may have the preeminent. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And you... Now he reveals the third place where he has preeminence in our life. But this is the one that we have to give him. He holds the place of preeminence in creation. He holds the place of preeminence in the church. But we give him the place of preeminence in our life. We make him first. And when we recognize and realize the love with which we were created, we will give him that place. It says, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. See, we have a part in it. What do we do? We hold to the word of God. We hold to the word. And then he says this, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. So first place or preeminent in creation, in the church, and in the Christian. And this is what we're really going to talk about today. <laughs> Give me giving him that first place in our life. Everything that he did, even the order and the way that he created everything, was so that he could hold this place. So that he could rescue us by holding this place. So that he could change our life by holding this place. And really, you know, putting him first is the secret to us growing up spiritually. It's the secret to becoming mature in the things of God. It's the secret. We're not perfect the day we got born again. Did you ever notice that? I mean, we thought it would happen. Like, I said that prayer. Why didn't everything change? But there's a process, and the process begins by putting him first. And that's what happened the day we got born again. We put him first. We made him Lord. Or we said we did. <laughs> right? But we did. And if we did, and we continue on, then our life will be changed. Now here's something amazing. When we receive Him, we are called what? A Christian. A saint. Sons and daughters. Heirs. Oh, God, these are good. We're also called something that's in the name of this church. A new creation. <laughs> We're a new creation. And isn't it amazing that creation has never stopped? And in the beginning, how did creation start? The Word was spoken, and the Holy Spirit moved on that with, with the Father's plan. And now in the new creation, how do we reach that place of maturity? If we continue grounded and steadfast and are not moved from the hope of the gospel, which is what? It's the word. You know, the word in the new creation is just as important as the word in the original creation. The word is powerful. The word works. 
Our salvation is called the new creation, and when we give him first place, he's able to bring our chaos into order. (laughs) And that's what happened in the original creation. There was darkness, there was void, there was chaos over the face of the deep. And what happened? He came, and light broke forth. The Word came. And that's what happens in each and every one of our lives. When we give Him, that's what creation is all about, and Jesus is all about creation. So, it's a perfect setup. You know, the Word is at the center of who we are, and when we speak the Word of God, it speaks to the soul of us. It speaks and it calls us back to who we were meant to be. So the Word is very important. Well, now go with me over to Colossians 3. We're going to continue on this. I told Pastor Mark, I said, I think I'm just going to read the whole book of Colossians on Sunday. It's going to be great. (laughs) So now we're going to get practical. We're going to get practical. Colossians 3 really shows us that we are the only ones that can give him this preeminent place. And it begins with this. Actually, the subtitle in the New King James Version says this. It says, not carnality, but Christ. You know what carnality is? Carnality is uh, being mindful mostly of the flesh. And we know that that profits nothing. Romans tells us that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So that's where we want to go. We want to go to that spiritually-minded person. So Colossians 3, 1 says this, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. First thing he tells us is we're going to have to change some of the things that we're thinking about. If we're going to give him the place of preeminence, if we want our chaos to come into order, if we want to live the life of the new creation, if we want to live in the newness of life, and he says that, then uh, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your mind. How do we seek those things? Is it just going to church? Well, that's part of it. That's a big part of it. But he says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Just like you set your thermostat, we have to set our mind. We set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. It's so powerful what we think about. We sometimes don't even... uh, Uh, think about what we think about (laughs) or what we're putting in, but we need to. And he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So that's the first thing we need to do. We've got to start by setting our mind on things above. And that means putting the word into our heart. Good thing we're doing the the, uh, uh, reading of the New Testament this year. Already, oh my goodness, already I'm getting so much in me Every day, I'm feeling equipped. I'm feeling different. Because, you know, I haven't always been a read-your-Bible-every-day person. Shocking, I know. (laughs) But I read a lot. I read a lot. I was talking to my dad uh, on the phone, and my dad said, you know what, I'm I'm a real reader. I 
I determined this year I'm going to read the Bible. I'm like, wow, that's cool. How's it going for you? He goes, well, got into Genesis, loved it. <laughs> Exodus is pretty okay. I got into all those genealogies and all that stuff, and I decided to switch over to the New Testament. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. I totally know. <laughs> so, but he'll get it done. He sets his mind to it. He'll get it done. Um, but that putting the word in us every day is huge. So doing that this year is really going to change us. Why? Because it's going to put different thoughts in our heart and in our head. And guess what? We'll be meditating on different things. We'll be meditating on things that will actually equip us and change our reactions and our responses. It'll change our decisions. It'll change so many things about us. So we have to be conscious of putting him first and putting the word first as part of that because he and the word are one. So as we read on in uh, Colossians here, in verse 5, it says this, Therefore, because we're setting our mind on different things, therefore, put to death your members, which are on earth. And he begins to list some of them in case we're curious. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So carnal means preoccupied with natural things or the flesh, and we're moving into a spiritual place. We're seeking those things are above, so we're going to set our mind on different things. But he says here and leads us to believe that when we set our mind on different things, that we begin to be able to make better choices. Better choices, put to death. We are going to do something with the word that's coming in. So three areas that we put him first are listed for us here in Colossians 3. First one is this, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Let's just call it temptations, <laughs> right? Because all of those things that he's talking about are temptations for us. We put him first in our temptations. Temptations encompass every sort of sin and brokenness that will lure us away from being in the presence of God and putting him first. A temptation looks different to you than it looks to me because it has to do with your past, your uh, appetites, your desires, and mine. So you can't say it's this, but you can give these general things like he did. It's passion and evil desire and covetousness and uncleanness and fornication. All of those things are part of temptations. But when we give him first place, when we begin to put the word in us, we begin to think on a different plane. We begin to do something different. You know, uh, when we put something that is not capable of holding first place first, like these things, it becomes an addiction that holds us in bondage. When we put God first, He'll break every other thing. He'll break every addiction. When we put Him first because He's qualified to hold that place of first, now everything changes and, it, and life comes into everything. So our thoughts change, our desires change, but we have to make the decisions. We set our mind on Jesus. And it affects how we think. Um, 
things that would try and tempt us, as we set our mind on Jesus, you'll find that they no longer have power over us. We have testimonies of many people who have overcome uh, with the word of God all kinds of addictions and temptations. People who've been instantly delivered because they chose Jesus from all kinds of different things. People who have been delivered over time because they put the word first and the word began working in them and changing their desires. Jesus overcame temptation by the word of God. If you're reading the New Testament with us, you read that this week in Matthew chapter 4. We read that, you know, the devil came to him and began to question him on the very thing that God said to him. He comes immediately to steal the word. And so right after the Lord told uh, Jesus at his baptism, the father told Jesus at his baptism, you're my son in whom I am well pleased. You're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You go into the very next chapter and the enemy says, if you are the son of God. He's always wanting us to question. And so it's not just trying to be better, it's having the word in us so we don't fall prey to deception and temptation. It's having the word in us. So what did Jesus do? He came at that temptation with the word of God. And when he came at it with the word of God, he was able to defeat that temptation. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of breath of life and soul, and the immortal spirit of joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. What's he saying? He's saying the word speaks to your soul. The word speaks to your spirit. And it separates the two. And it helps you to know so that you can live by your spirit. It's alive and it's full of power. It has never lost its power. The word will work for anyone who will put the word to work. Amen. Just like Alan was saying today, what an encouraging offering message for every area of our life. I mean, it was awesome. You know, we, had a te we have a testimony of a man who we ministered to in our extended table. He was homeless, and he started coming to the extended table. And as he came... They were praying over him. They were giving him the word. They were ministering to him in so many different ways. And in receiving the word, he started to think different about himself. He started to think different about life. He started to get a little more clear-headed. And he put down alcoholism. He didn't even have to go to a program. He put it down. He didn't even have to have deliverance. He put it down. He took the word in, and the word, and that doesn't mean that you know, that's everybody uh, doesn't have to. I'm saying this person didn't have to. He found freedom from the word. He got a job. He got a home. He was reconciled to his family. All because the word was working in him. Amen. It was amazing. He ended up being reconciled to his mom and to his family. It was beautiful. Many have testimonies of things exactly like this because they put the word first. But go back to Colossians 3.8. Now he tells us another area. So we can put temptations. We can put him first in temptations. 
When a temptation comes, how do we put him first? We say, you know what? I'm not going to give in to that. Nope. I'm going to, I'm going to put my mind on him. I'm going to get in the presence of those who will encourage me in him. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to put him first. I'm not going to put that first. So now we go back to Colossians 3.8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man uh, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. You know, I love that. He's talking here, as if we look at anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, all of these things lying, we could just say emotions. Let's put it in the category of emotions. So we're going to put him first in temptations. We're going to put him first in our emotions. So talk about bringing chaos into order, right? <laughs> emotions can be really chaotic. There are the, and these are things that we all deal with, temptations and emotions. They're things that we all deal with. But he tells us we put off these things. We do. How do we do it? Well, we set our minds on him. We set our minds. And it's a decision, and it's one decision at a time, but we can do it. So I'm going to tell you my own personal testimony with some emotions, okay? I'm going to be very revealing, and I hope I don't get in trouble. Okay, anyway, so Pastor Craig one day, he's preaching in, in church, and he says this. He goes, nobody can make you mad. Nobody can make you mad. And I thought, well, that's a lie right there. My husband makes me mad, my mother makes me mad, my sister makes me mad, my, you know, and you can go down the list, right? People make me mad all the time, so I know that's not true. And then he went on and he said, nobody can make you mad. It's a decision you make, and you can make other decisions. I thought, that is a huge revelation, because literally... I make no decisions to get mad. They do something and I yell at them. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. And then I had to stop and think. There actually is a decision point. There actually is. So uh, I started thinking about that. Well, see, I received some word. I received some things that equipped me to make some decisions, or at least to think about decisions. So I was a person who, anything was anger. If I was hurt, it was I was mad. If I was upset, I was mad. If I was um, frustrated, I was mad. If I, you know, it just always came out that way. So when Mark and I got married, we had to learn to live with each other. And he talks about, you know, seeing a fire on the inside of me and just loving that and knowing that that fire was a love for God. And that is true. <laughs> but there was another fire too, right? <laughs> Because when you have fire on the inside, like it's, you're just a, a, you know, a person of passion. So I was very passionate. So we learned to live with each other a lot, and, and it took a lot uh, for that. So I'm just thinking about one day when we were in our kitchen. You know, Mark's parents, he grew up with this kind of home. 
Mom gets mad. Mom goes to the bedroom. She's quiet. She doesn't talk to anybody. And she comes out a while later, and she's okay because she dealt with, you know, how she was upset. Well, my family, we didn't grow up that way. Okay, I'm not going to tell you all the things, but let me just say, going to your room and being quiet was not what we did. <laughs> so <laughs> that was not our family. So you live what you learn, right? And so here I am now, an adult, and I don't have a lot of tools to deal with anger. And so we're in our kitchen, and Mark is starting an argument with me. And so <laughs> I argue back. Like, I don't go to the room and be quiet. I argue back. And, but pretty soon, the argument is getting more and more intense, and there's more and more words. And he'll win an argument of words with me eight days a week because, I mean, you've heard him preach. He's got a lot of words. And pretty soon I came to the place where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. And so I felt like, you know, the Incredible Hulk. Like I could feel myself turning green, you know. <laughs> I could feel it rising. And I just knew, like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose control. Well, we had, like, $25, $30 a week that we would spend for groceries. And so I would buy these big tubs of country crock butter. You know those really big ones? It's not even butter. It's margarine. And so <laughs> I bought this big thing because it would last a long time. Like, you could cook with it. You could put it on the toast and everything. So we had had breakfast, and that country crock is sitting right there on the counter. And it had been there for a while, because we'd been arguing for a while. And so it's nice and soft. And I picked up that country crock, and I'm like making a decision. And I threw it at him, and I threw it right at his mouth, you know? Like, I, I wanted him to stop talking. And so... I threw it at his mouth, and he put his arm up, and he blocked it, and country crock went everywhere, like all over, everywhere, in places I didn't even know. I mean, we moved out like three years later, and I was finding grease spots because it went everywhere. So, you know, it's a process. And I tell you all this to say I was a Christian, I had gone to Bible school. <laughs> we were in some kind of ministry at the church, I'm sure, at that point. And yet, I was still dealing with how do you process anger? You know, how, how does that happen? But you know what? This is my testimony. I kept going to church, and I kept putting the word in my life, and Jesus turned my chaos into order. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've thrown something at him. <laughs> a really long time. <laughs> but we have to make decisions to do the word that's being put on the inside of us, to walk in love, to be different. And we have to make those decisions ourselves. And it means putting him first and putting the word first. 
The answer to my problem was not stop buying big tubs of butter. Because <laughs> sometimes we think, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just get out of that situation. I'll just move. I'll just do something different. I'll just, I'll just. Well, no, that's not the solution. The solution is let the word work. Because creation continues. As the word comes in, the new creation is being worked out. The new creation is being worked out. And so the word will transform our lives. Making decisions to do the word of God will cause us to grow. And, you know, being in church was a, a lifeline for me. It was huge. I needed church every single week like I needed food. I needed it because that word was coming to me. Like I said, I have not always been a read your Bible everyday Christian. Do I study? Yeah, and sometimes I'm reading, um, you know, chapters and books and, and lots, and I'm always putting the word in. But having a consistent place where I was fed, that's what changed my life. That's what really changed my life. In Mark 4.26, there's the parable of the growing seed. This is my testimony. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. And he himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. You know, I just kept putting the word in and I don't even know what day I stopped throwing things, right? <laughs> I can't tell you that. I, I just know that the word worked, and I don't have that kind of anger anymore. I just don't. And I didn't have to go uh, somewhere. The word worked in my life. You know, uh, <laughs> we have to do the word of God. Uh, last night I was putting all of these notes together, and it doesn't mean that we won't be tempted. We have to continually choose, and that's why I tell you this story now. Uh, I was putting my notes together last night, and it was about 9.30. We had had the board meeting, and then I had, I had procrastinated all week of putting anything on paper because I really was uh, having a hard time processing my thoughts. So I thought, I'm going to do it tonight after the board meeting. After I don't have to think of anything, I'm just going to sit down and do it. So I sat down in the evening, and about 9.30, I got done with all of my notes, and it was awesome, and I was turning my printer on, and I was going to print out my notes, and I looked back at my computer, and I was like, wait, where'd my file go? <laughs> oh, no, my file's gone. What happened? My file closed. It deleted itself. It was gone. Now, I haven't cussed in years and years and years. But last night, I had to make a decision. <laughs> because even though it had been years, like it all started coming back to me, right? Like things rose up, and I'm like, what is that? It was like a Celine Dion moment. I was like, it's all coming back to me now. And, and here I am. And I could have just like let loose with anger and, and, you know, words and all of that. But you know what? I just said, okay, thank you, Lord. I just need to go over this one more time. <laughs> It's for me. I need it one more time so that uh, tomorrow I'll have it in me even more 
So every scripture, every thought, every quote, everything, everything. At 9.30 at night last night, I started over. <laughs> and it's awesome, isn't it? Right? See? <laughs> we have to keep doing the word. And then, you know, I love that scripture in Ephesians 4, where he says, God gave gifts to us. He gave gifts in the form of men, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, men being mankind, not just men, women as well. He gave gifts to us. Why? To equip us, to teach us, to grow us, so that we would be no longer children tossed to and fro, but we would grow, grow into what? Into a person that looks like Jesus, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Jesus himself. You know, getting the word consistently is what changed me. And it was powerful. So the last one, go back to Colossians 3.12. The last one is relationships. And he spends the rest of Colossians talking about relationships, but we're not going to read the rest. We're going to read from 12 to 17. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all these things, put on love. Wow. Which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Wow. Put on love. Put on love. You know, he talks in the, the whole last part about relationships. So we put him first in temptation. We put him first in uh, emotion. We put him first in relationships. And he goes on, he talks about children and fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and employers and employees and all of those relationships and how we should conduct ourselves in the character of the new man. Oh man, do we have people in our lives that are hard to love? then we need to put love on every day. <laughs> we need to put love on. And just as Alan was saying this morning, God wants our lives to be completely restored, reconciled. And that means every relationship. And I don't know what God's doing, especially uh, what he's doing, but he's bringing a lot of people to me to pray about relationships. To pray about relationships. Pastors' wives are, that I'm friends with and different people, we are standing in agreement for relationships. But you know, we've always been about that here. We know that the Word can work because we've experienced it. Pastor Mark and I had to learn to live with each other. And we were like, he explains it this way, two freight trains. When you're moving together, it's awesome. You can go places. You can pull a lot of weight. When you're moving in separate directions, You'll get far away from each other quick. But when you're moving at each other, <laughs> hold on, because it's going to be bad. <laughs> right? It's going to be a wreck. We want to be moving together. 
Well, what does that mean? It means that we have to put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We have to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You know, when I say we learn to live with each other, we had to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We had to learn to respond to Him. We did a marriage Bible study for like 16 years, and probably a good number of those Bible studies that we went to, we had had some kind of argument where we either both went and put it aside, or he went and I didn't go because <laughs> we were having, or I slipped in the back, you know, at some point because uh, the Lord dealt with my heart. You know, sometimes we did it right and sometimes we didn't. Have you ever had those moments where God says, don't say that? And you go, but I have to. <laughs> I need to say that or else who will? Who will say that to him? No one, so I'm going to. <laughs> no, <laughs> listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, our marriage, though, it looks a lot different now. It's good. It's wonderful. God's done amazing things. We worked through a lot of stuff. And how did we do it? Well, God was working that work of creation, clearing the chaos and creating order as the word came and we listened to him and we responded and we obeyed the word. Oh man, <laughs> it's powerful. And God wants to take the chaos in a lot of relationships and bring them to order. And just as Alan was saying this morning, I'm believing for relationships in our church. I'm believing for this to be a healing year. I'm believing it for it to be a restoration year. I'm believing it to be a reconciliation year. I'm believing for that. So we got to speak the word. Speak the word. Um, Let's see, Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. You know why he tells us give attention to his words? Because there's a lot of things that we could be giving attention to. There's a lot of things in this world that are trying to demand our attention. But he says, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. All their flesh. Health to all their flesh. <laughs> every part of us, every part, His words are health to all our flesh. So the Word is still creating, <laughs> and if we give it first place, will be that new creation that is the measure and the stature of Jesus himself. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I just want to encourage you too, just in speaking about this particular thing. We have books in our uh, bookstore called The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband. And those are awesome books. Todd's done a study for the men with that power of a praying husband. Those are awesome. That's part of what helped me to turn things in my marriage. When I started praying every day for my husband with the word, it changed my heart. And shockingly, it changed him. <laughs> things, things, you know, came into order because of the word, because of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me?
Giving Jesus the place of preeminence really starts with that prayer of salvation. And if you haven't prayed it, whether online or here in the room, we're all going to pray it together. And I just encourage us as we do to rededicate our hearts to him, giving him that place of preeminence, giving him that first place. When we ask him to be Lord, Lord of all, sometimes we ask and we have great expectation and great change, but then we drift. And God wants us to ever be in that place of becoming more like him. So, as we pray this prayer this morning, um, let's just all refresh our hearts too. Amen? Say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for sending your Son. I know that He gave His life so that I could have life. And I choose to turn from my way, to put Him first, I ask you to forgive me where I've not listened, where I've not obeyed. I ask you to cleanse me. I call upon Jesus to be my Lord, to take the place of first. And I choose to follow you with a new dedication today. I declare that I'm your child. That your word is working in me. That I'm changing. That you're rearranging. That you're bringing order to my life. And I thank you for the work that's not complete, but that's continuing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Tonight, we're going to have another great message. I don't know what it is. I was going to work on it at 9.30. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it will be great. So make sure you come back tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.
Rejoice and be glad, rejoice and be glad in it.